Good morning. This is Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Karen. I'm Kelly. Welcome. We're going to talk about patterns today in sessions um, and how the spirit world can come through in different forms, whether it's from someone who's crossed over, um, which is medium, uh, wanting to help the person that's come for a session, our client, see some of the patterns that they have in their own life, um, or whether there's their spirit guides are coming through, or if you're open to it, your angels, um, your own soul, um, universe, all these different terms that, that different people can use. But the bottom line meaning, um, what happens for us to share um, the pattern or patterns that someone is experiencing and why the spirit world even bothers. And by patterns, let's just clarify that you're referring to behaviors. So it's behaviors and how you cope, to behaviors and how you deal with relationships, with problems. Um, it, it's how you function as a human being, how you respond to the outside world. Okay, so one pattern that comes to mind in one of the sessions right away when we're just explaining all of this um, is um, a, a children in a family. They're all adults. And the client that came was a female. And um, she, her, her, her mother and father live out of town, not in the same city she does. So every time she goes back to her hometown, she has certain patterns of staying at their place. A feeling that she can't stay at a hotel or a friend's place or a sibling's place. She has to stay at her parents' place um, because of the expectation uh, um, that the parents put on all of the children. They have to stay there. They have to eat their meals there. Um, they have to report in. They have to say where they're going and when they're coming back. And that the siblings don't all even recognize that these are their behaviors, by the way. Mm -hmm. So when the spirit world comes through and says, well we're referring to your pattern of when you come back, go back home to visit your family. These are the things you do. So things that they don't think about. They don't, it doesn't even dawn on them that there is a hotel that they could rent. Yes. That, you know, if they're, if they're going to be in this city, of course they have to stay at their parents. And this is actually something that I, I had patterned. Um, I got taught or conditioned to believe that you couldn't take a cab anywhere. Oh, so yeah. as I grew up, when I'm when I've been in situations where a car hasn't been available to me, my first instinct is, okay, I guess I have to walk. And that can be very discouraging in bad weather or certain situations if it's very far, very hot. Um, and it really doesn't dawn on me that there are cab systems or cab companies that will be at my door in two minutes. Mm -hmm. So it's been a way of conditioned thinking. Perfect. And as you say, conditioned so that it's uh, subconscious. Mm -hmm. So that when we do come into town, uh, you know, in that example or yours, that we follow certain things. If someone asks us out for dinner, we say, no, thank you. Um, we may have excuses or we just don't offer anything because we don't really feel we have other options. Right. So it's a lack of choices, um, but it's also a lack of thinking. So thinking itself shuts down because right. you don't believe or even realize that you could have a choice. Mm -hmm. The... The training has shut things down so much so that the thinking um, ceases to exist. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the spirit world came through to point these out, to be able to say, and you know, Kelly, quite often a partner can see that. Mm -hmm. Quite often a new boyfriend or um, a new friend can see what you're doing. And sometimes they just don't say anything because they think they have to be part of your life and part of your family. 
And because they want something like that in their own life, they're not willing to challenge you on your own. Mm -hmm. Some partners do challenge. They say, let's stay at a hotel. Let's stay at a cottage. Let's, I've got a girl, uh, you know, a friend's place we can stay at here. Or why don't we, why don't we take our trailer and camper and stay at a park? Mm -hmm. Right? And all of that is met with the resistance of I can't. And underlying all of this is shame well, I was and guilt. Say, sometimes it's not the thought of I can't. It's there, there's a shameful thought of, oh my God, how come I didn't think of that myself? How come my head didn't go there to think about staying at a lake or staying at a cottage, right? How come I didn't see the 17 options you just presented to me? Yeah. And that's why I say the shame and guilt that comes when you don't, because you don't feel like an adult. Mm-hmm. You you feel like the child that you've been treated as by the parent or parents or whoever, mm-hmm. whoever's doing this to you, because it can be a partner that's doing it to you. It doesn't matter who's doing it. Well, it does matter. I'm just saying there are different people that are doing these things to us. Right. It can happen in a work environment as well, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're not allowed to think for ourselves as employees or managers or right. directors if, or anything. If we're conditioned that the boss solves things a certain way all the time, then a new option or solution focused thinking is not encouraged. Or a union. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a union says this is the way we're doing things and employees want to say, but there must be other choices outside of what the union is saying. And the union says, no, just by our means, right? Just by what we, what we think is okay. So anyway, during this time with this client, um, she was going through, uh, wanting to leave uh, a relationship Mm -hmm. and she was a A significant other. Yes. A marriage, uh, living with somebody. And she, um, she was people pleasing as you're hearing the parents, the mother, but she was also people pleasing her spouse. She was people pleasing his children and extended family and her friends and career, her clients, so on and so on. And so she wants to leave. She wants to start life over somehow, but doesn't, she says to me, I want to start over, but I don't know what, I just know I'm not happy. I, I feel unhappy. And so her spirit guides came in and said, she's depressed. It's not just unhappiness. There's a depression. Mm. And I remember thinking, please explain that to me. And they said, well, if you're consistently suppressed in your own thoughts, in your own willpower, in your own ability to think, then your brain stops functioning on that level to think for itself to find new options. And consequently, there's a feeling of powerlessness. And that's your depression. Mm-hmm. Depresses and suppresses your spirit your mind and your soul, because you have to disconnect. You can't feel what you want to feel anymore. You have to feel nothing. Mm-hmm. So your people pleasing puts you to sleep in your own feelings. And when the spirit world came through to express that to her, she just, she sat there and she just, I think she had to think about it for a long time to kind of figure out why she felt tired. Mm-hmm. So she said, well, I, I, I can agree with you if I think about my fatigue. Right. If I think about this, the fact that my back just keeps getting sore and I want to go and rest, I want to sleep all the time. It's like she wants to escape. Mm-hmm. So her guides came through to expl- explain the pattern for her, how she created that in her world and how, well, or I'll say how her family around her was creating it. I'll say in her childhood, but as an adult, she didn't find new tools to change it. So she finds a partner who allows that to continue and he's codependent as well. So, and he's a people pleaser, 
but he can go from people pleasing to bullying. And she goes from people pleasing to extreme people pleasing. Right. She just revs hers up even more. I'm going to be even kinder than you are. And he's like, well, then screw that. I'll just have temper tantrums. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a battle in both ways that they try and people please. Okay. And now she's fatigued and says she's done and she wants out. But as soon as she shows up for the session, the first question she asks is, when am I going to have another partner? Of course. When's the next guy coming? If I leave this guy, can I find another one fast? Or can I stay here? And again, the spirit guides come through and say, but that too is part of your pattern. Is to jump from one relationship to another? Without working on yourself in between. Okay. Hoping that if you just start over with somebody and you start at a lower level of people pleasing, um, that you're not going to feel as trapped because he won't be used to all of these things. So there will be a newness to it. And that's what she was looking for. Mm-hmm. But thinking that she had walked away from something old and that she didn't want anymore. Mm-hmm. Which I thought I think is so cool that the spirit world, her own spirit is coming through to say, this isn't about him. This is about what you're doing. Which I like. Mm-hmm. Because then it's not blaming. it's not, And it's not victimizing yourself. Right. I think that's what happens to a lot of people that come for sessions um, or when spouses have sent their, their significant other to see us. They think that it's going to be like um, a blaming them and it comes back to pointing out who has started or who is uh, facilitating the pattern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where are you wanting to go from here then? Because you talked about a couple things when we, we suggested, you know, sitting down and having this conversation this morning. Um, and you had talked about emotional intelligence. So mm-hmm. if we're, if we're talking about suppressing and depressing the brain, then do you want to launch into how that affects our emotional intelligence? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to start or do you want to add anything? Do you mean to what's already been said or anything? Oh, um, well, I think, I think this might be a very confusing podcast for a lot of people, uh, because you threw out so many different kinds of dynamics, uh, in that one example, or w- I'll say using that one woman as an example, because uh, there, there were patterns that were started from the immediate family, patterns that carried into the significant other relationship, and you know they they kind of interwove back and forth. So I think some people have a hard time kind of detangling all of it to see what each pattern is. But that, that is what happens, right? When, like when you're talking about where you stop thinking for yourself, all the unhealthy patterns tangle together and you can't, you can't untangle one at a time. It's, uh, and I think this is, this is really fascinating is that a lot of people will jump into the self-help books and think I'm going to figure out my codependency first, then I'm going to figure out my, um, my addiction, then I'm going to figure out, and, and you can't, you can't take one thing at a time because all of them are entangled. That's why I like the sessions, because if people give it time and can come back and work again and again, they actually get the examples from their own soul as to what they've done. Mm-hmm. And not to blame them and not to blame the parent or the partner, but to just put it out there in a, in a way that is non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. But in a way 
that you can see your own part in it and in a way that you can see how the other people played into it. Right. And where they're there, if you want to refer to it, Kelly, like as role playing, if you think of it as watching a, a, a play or a TV show, how if you learn to watch TV shows to learn to use as educational tools, what can you learn from them instead of just being entertained by them? It brings your brain to a different place of processing things mm -hmm. and how in the sessions your spirit wants to help you and breaks that down, which I guess um, what I'm saying too is one of the reasons why people book more than one session mm -hmm. because you need the tools right? and your spirit knows better than anybody what the tools are that you need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think this is a scary topic for a lot of people. Um, because as you start to work or as if you want to work on yourself or, you know, someone who, who is, uh, when you've been suppressed or depressed for so long, anything that's pointed out to you, such as a pattern, uh, your go-to emotions at that point are typically, like you said, shame or guilt. Um, and so there can be a really big roadblock, uh, in wanting or even being, feeling able to move forward. Because of all the emotions that you've become numb to, shame and guilt are not one of them. Um, and, and without someone being able to kindly point out that you've gone into shame or guilt and that we just kind of need to inch our way out of it so that we can observe things um, just factually, you're stuck. You're really stuck and that's typically where the cycle happens all over again. It starts all over again and you go back into the people pleasing and back into the old patterning. Yeah. And I like, I think that's why I love the energy healing part. It's why I come back so many times to be able to say to people, you're not alone in this then. Right. And that's why it's different than therapy, because there is the whole component of helping them with the emotions, the shockers in the body, the organs and the energy healing, mm -hmm. and why it is absolutely necessary mm -hmm. that you we don't just do the channeling and leave them with the message and say, here you go. Here's your mess. Mm -hmm. There you go. Go out the door. We've, you've spent your hour off. You go. We don't do that. The energy healing helps them for days and weeks and months and years after this, after their session. Mm -hmm. So talk to me a bit about the, or talk to, talk to everyone a, a bit more about emotional intelligence. Cause I mean, you haven't really dived into that part. Well, the, well, I guess one of the big things that comes up at the very beginning when you want to talk about emotional intelligence is a willingness, which is what you've said. Mm -hmm. the, the, and that's part of emotional intelligence is, is a willingness to see yourself. The good, the bad, all, all, all of the different things are, you know what, maybe we could take out the good and the bad and just say... Um, the comfortable and uncomfortable. There you go. Instead of, because good and bad itself is a judgment. Right. So if we say, yes, comfortable and what's uncomfortable, or, and I want to say too, Kelly, what's truthful and what's untruthful. Mm -hmm. Because m emotional intelligence means that you do it with integrity. You have to separate what's, what's true and what isn't. Mm -hmm. um, there was a point that I just wanted to make, and of course it's completely slipped my mind. Uh, oh, the kind of the oxymoron that's presented when we talk about emotional intelligence, because we're saying emotional and then we're saying just to look at facts, which kind of really means being able to take emotion out of it for a couple minutes, just to be a good observer. And that's where I think you're saying what's truthful and what isn't. Yeah. You have to be able to observe what is and what isn't. Mm -hmm. Then 
be able to identify what that makes you feel. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and I, I've said this before, you can't heal it until you feel it, but you have to know what it is first. And as you say, it has to be the truth because quite often we might, we might take a story and say, he had an affair, she had an affair. This makes me angry. This makes me feel this. But they don't want to go underneath all of that as to what occurred in the relationship before the affair. Right. Where they may, each of them can take responsibility for different things that occurred in the relationship. Or not. Mm-hmm. If somebody just truly did and there was no other basis underneath it, but what you want to do with it factually. Mm-hmm. Um. Keep going? Yeah. Like for in sure. different areas? Well, I think, like, you know, I love Jason Silva. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about some of the things that, like, his speeches on the internet. And if you, people are Googling him, how he likes using proper terms to educate people. Mm-hmm. And as I said uh, earlier, the term hedonic adaptation. Yeah. Meaning, that when you experience something over and over again, repetitively, that you become immune to it. You Mm -hmm. become desensitized. You don't feel truthfully anymore. And that in our own existence, so going back to that woman who's going back to her family each time she comes to town, she becomes so um, desensitized to the behaviors of her parents that she doesn't feel her feelings or she feels them extremely, but constantly does the same thing over and over again, hoping that her feelings and the situation will change. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't um, try anything different or new. Right. Because like you say, and maybe it's just wording in a different way. She doesn't even realize at that point that she that she's making a decision. She mm-hmm. just thinks she's like it's just a behavior but she's forgotten that there was a decision made in the process or which she, yeah. in this case was to it was it was to stay at her mom's and obey maybe right. maybe one of the very first decisions she made underneath all of that was to always obey a parent mm-hmm. that per, that person so whatever they say or do to obey that is that good sure okay cuz you got to keep going underneath it and that's the emotional intelligence part Mm-hmm. is being able to see it step by step and say, geez, if I'm always coming to town and I'm always staying at my parents, I always eat my meals there, blah, blah, blah. I don't realize I have choices. I made one choice once and it's like the default choice. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But I still have an opportunity to make choice every single time. Mm-hmm. I just keep making the same one. Right. Okay. I love this. Oh, okay. I'm just hoping that people are listening to it. And if they don't get it, that they can replay it until they get it. Mm -hmm. Because we do it in so many different circumstances and situations. I'd like to bring up an example of one where this woman then created back pain. And I'll say, people might might listen to this and say she created her back pain. She does create back pain, even though... You haven't listened to the first 60 podcasts. Yeah. We create the back pain, or she does... So that now when she comes to, when she goes home, she's able to say, I can't stay in that bed anymore. The mattress is terrible and you won't buy a new one. So I'm staying at my husband's parents' place. They have new beds. Mm -hmm. Or I'm staying at a hotel. The mattress is better. Is that good? Right. So there's excuses 
to make a different choice. Yes. I, you know what? And I would like to make a much more simple example. Sure. Of having choice and not realizing it. Okay. Um, and this is not picking on you by any means. I remember the first year I moved out, I went away to university. I was doing my first load of groceries by myself because you and mom, you and dad had taken me out the first time before you left. Um, so when I did my first load of groceries on my own, I went into the toothpaste aisle and for the, I, what felt like the first time in my 18 years of existence, I stood in front of all of the brands and went, oh my God, there's so many. And it dawned on me in that moment that I'd never really made a decision about toothpaste. I had always figured Crest was the only toothpaste, even though I had seen commercials. Why did that never dawn on me that I could maybe try Colgate or Tom's or anything? Um, and so I had to stand there and go, huh, every single time I run out of a tube of toothpaste, I have a decision to make. And that's whether or not I want to choose it again because I like it, because it's working for me, because it feels good, because it tastes good. And I have to evaluate all these things now, or I get to evaluate all these things now and stand in there and go, yeah, Crest was mediocre. Let's try Tom's. Right. And I get to make the decision over and over again. I love it because in that moment, you taught me that. Yeah. I remember going out with you um, and you picking a different toothpaste and it was like, oh, and then we picked new shampoos. We tried different, mm -hmm. all kinds of things, all kinds of brands and flavors. Yeah. And I, there was even a point where, and, I, and I'm saying this for a reason, there was even a point where I accidentally bought a spearmint instead of peppermint, went home, used it the next day, and I was like, this is disgusting. I can't stand spearmint. I, I just think it's one of the most horrible tastes in the world. And... But I had purchased a whole tube of it. And so I think for about a week and a half, I would brush my teeth every morning after every meal. And I'd be angry. So fucking angry brushing my teeth. And it dawned on me, you know, a couple yeah. weeks later. I'm angry every fucking time I brush my teeth. I, even if I'm having a good day, even if I'm looking forward to the rest of it, I'm mad. And so it was like, what is stopping me from going out and going to find peppermint? So... There again, I had to figure out I still had a choice. I didn't have to wait till the end of the tube. I could go out and just replace it and with something that actually makes me feel good. And that I always come back to what do you want to feel? So if I'm angry every time my spearmint touches me, then why am I not choosing something else that makes me feel the way I want to feel? Well, you said a key thing there in emotional intelligence. Right. What do I want to feel? Yes. So it comes to the point or to the fact of in some of the sessions where the spirit guides and spirit world will come through and say to them, you need better questions. Right. And sometimes the clients will say, well, oh, could you give me an example? And I just listen to the spirit world again and I wait for them to give me a list of the questions and I hand it to them. Huh? Sometimes I write it down or I say them out loud if they're voice recording um, and just give it to them. These are the questions that you need. Not what I read out of a book and the, the or a psychology book or a self-help book. I'm, I, I'm not going to that. I'm not going to a training. I'm going to what do what does your own spirit world say you need to change in the loop in your brain, right? Where you're looping over and over again, in that uh, repetition, um, so that you can have a different experience of your own reality. Well, and this is where and I'm, I'm not sure if we've already put the quotes up, because we, we put quotes up every Friday, right? To catch people up on what we're reading. And we really focused on one of the books called um, 
The Power of Habit. Oh, by Charles Duhigg. Yeah, and there's so many good and and a variety of, of kinds of examples of how we loop. So they talk about addiction in one of them. They talk about a really cool example I, I really liked was um, how an NFL football coach completely took and turned around an entire team just by teaching them habits mm-hmm. um, and, and to go with instinct because habits become so, so ingrained that you don't think about them. So it eliminates decision making, mm-hmm. which can work to your benefit if mm-hmm. you are making good habits, but works to your detriment if you're not. Well, this would be crucial to a firefighter. Right. This would be crucial to a surgeon yep. or a nurse or where you think, but I want to say to a child, mm-hmm. to a parent, to a partner for relationships, as much as they are crucial to someone in a career where it's life-saving. Is that good? Well, yeah. And I mean, it's it's saving your life in a relationship too, right? So, and I know, I know you know that, Um so when you get into confrontation, if someone is raising their voice and that triggers you into your people pleasing and your fear to for you to disappear, essentially, right, your person to disappear, uh, to give way to whatever confrontation is happening in front of you, then that's a habit you perpetuate that every time you're met with confrontation, you don't use your voice, your posture slumps, you essentially try to disappear into thin air. Versus if you are met with confrontation where you might not understand something and your habit is to ask questions, to seek understanding, then as soon as you feel anger or confrontation coming at you, you're opening your mouth to go, could you please explain that? What is the intention? So that becomes the habit. Yeah. And some people can disappear into rage, right? They can disappear into attack, yeah. So they still disappear from their own life, from their own existence, under the gu- under a guise of I have to attack to protect myself. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for people to hear that we disappear in more than one way. Yeah. Some people think we disappear if we become mousy mm-hmm. or people pleasing, but the attackers disappear as well. It doesn't look like they do, and it's hard for us to understand that they have, but they really do have to come outside of their own experience and disassociate with their own soul mm-hmm. in order to become an abuser. Right. Is that good? Well, yeah, because if okay. you if you fully understand as a person that you are causing harm to another person, like you say, you have to disassociate in order to continue the action so that you don't care or you've Perfect. convinced yourself that you don't care. Right. Because soulfully we do. Yeah. We ache. Yes. We shame. We guilt. Mm-hmm. And we repeat the cycle again. And this is why I wanted to bring this up today about patterns. Because we, we I think we have beautiful children on the planet now that are ADHD or autistic and they have patterns. And so we're trying to study, study patterns in different ways. Um, and I think they're trying to point some of that out to us that are missing it. I think that may have gone over a lot of people's heads. Oh, so okay. I want to point it out and maybe say it in a, di- in a different way. Okay. And if I'm, if that's not the point you were trying to illustrate, please correct me. Oh, sure. You called autistic and ADHD children beautiful which I 100% agree with, but I think a lot of people are going to assume that the patterns are for themselves. Oh. And I think, or how I interpreted it, is these children who are still technically dependents, right, on on these adults, 
They need the patterns, but it's the parents that have to set them and instill them and like create and follow them. And so these children in what we consider their own dysfunction, they've actually pulled parent figures or adult figures into better habits. Yes. That's what I meant. And consistency. Yeah. But I, but I think people would have just looked at the children. So I wanted to illustrate what that does and how it, how it changes and shapes the adults around them. Oh, okay. Because those children are doing those adults souls and persons a huge favor. Yeah. Yeah. When, When I talk about, or when I wanted to bring up about patterns today, Kelly, there were two sides of it. The, the part where like compulsive, uh, repetition where, you repeat a pattern subconsciously that can be harmful, but like you said earlier, or we can repeat patterns subconsciously that are positive for us. Those are the most successful people in the world. Those are your athletes. Those are high, I'll call them high achievers, but I don't, I don't mean politicians. I'm not picking on them, but I just mean, oh, am I saying that? Okay. Eh. It was successful people in terms of the people who found businesses and continue to, to, um, I guess, well, and companies and organizations that function well. Healthily. I want to say healthily. I think that was the word that escaped me for a moment. Yeah. Was that I mean in healthy ways for themselves, but where they foster an environment of healthy growth. Yes. um, For for everybody around them. So if there's a healthy environment in a home or a business Mm -hmm. Um, or even just outside in, in, in the community in some aspect, like a mayor where, that that fosters healthy growth for the whole city. Right. What that means. I think about, and I know it's it's one of my only examples, but I think about Chip Wilson from Lululemon, and I know you, you oh, credit yeah. him with a lot of, yeah. uh, of your life being saved. Um, how yeah. he created an entire culture for his employees alone uh, to grow, to better themselves, to have great interpersonal relationships yeah. personally. And what that directly does immediately to the relationship they have with their guests that walk through the store and have a customer experience or what they call a guest experience. And so by by fostering a healthy lifestyle of his employees with one another and their community, they provide a guest experience like no other company ever does. Well, no. How would that be if we took that term customer experience and said boyfriend experience Mm -hmm. husband experience child experience student experience and ask them how they were enjoying it Mm -hmm. (laughs) sorry that was kind of a really sinister laugh Mm -hmm. (laughs) but just really meaning that if if i'm saying to you so kelly how was your daughter experience what how am i providing (laughs) this daughter experience. This, these are the questions that I love so much that I've learned over the last six to 10 years doing this work, listening to the spirit world, to spirit guides, people who've crossed over uh, as a medium, asking all of these questions. And at the beginning of it, how I lacked asking the right question, and how the spirit world loved me enough to teach me, come on, Karen, ask us a better question. Ask us a better question. And a client might say, so is my husband having an affair? And the spirit world would say, ask us a better question. <laughs> and I would be like, what? <laughs> Isn't is that's what she wants to know? No, I ask her to ask you a better question. And I would say, well, your guides are wanting to ask you if you can ask a better question. Okay, well, I guess I've had to ask a better question. I just want to know if he's in love with me. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
Okay, so does it actually matter if he's having an affair? Or does it matter if he's in love with you? Mm -hmm. Because if he's not in love with you, or he is, is that really the bottom line as to whether you're going to stay or leave? Right. Whether you're going to work or not work. Mm -hmm. Is that good? Yeah. And I like how the spirit world helped me change those questions right. so that you could, so that in the sessions we could come to something far deeper, far, fa more fa faster. I was going to say more faster. I have to stop myself. <laughs> Two-year-old Karen arrived. <laughs> more faster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, is there anything else you'd like to add or do you feel that's good for no, today? No, I, I think some, I mean, I could always talk more, but I think sometimes I want to end it yeah. to allow for more questions by, okay. by listeners or comments because uh, we can always take it in different directions and, and maybe we haven't thought of that, that area just yet. There, I, there are lots on my mind right now. I just sometimes look at the timing of a show and think if it's half an hour, that's about good for people if the topic is something like this. And I've probably already taken several deep breaths. Yes. And I realize too that it may in, and can create in people a high level of anxiety. Yeah. And I think that's normal mm -hmm. for people to feel levels of anxiety when someone's talking to them about emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to hear that if somebody is struggling with anxiety or depression or panic attacks, that that is a very clear sign of a low level of emotional intelligence. Right. And that as they're given the tools, new questions, new perspectives, and sometimes from other people, professionals, but also can be from coming and seeing you and I and speaking to their own soul and guides, that as you get different tools for that toolbox, we always call these things your, to, your different toolboxes or sandbox to play in, that you get to move out of those levels of anxiety and depression or physical pain um, because your spirit loves you. And that was the thing that I wanted to say before we end this podcast. In this whole experience of connecting to the spirit world and hearing all of these ways and how they've changed my level of emotional intelligence... And I think along the way, yours and Andrew's and everybody around me personally, but also... Maybe not everybody. Well, okay. And my clients. Well, yeah, because it's always a matter of choice. Um, that I have felt loved. Nice. And that in this process of raising emotional intelligence, the greatest thing that I have experienced in it is deeper love. Absolutely. And de a deeper sense of peacefulness, calmness where my mind doesn't race or worry or go into panic for any situation anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something that a lot of people are seeking to try and find. And eventually sometimes because of a lack of understanding or emotional intelligence, and sometimes even on the part of physicians, yeah. that instead they're medicated. Mm -hmm. And in, instead of given different tools or in a different experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. Okay. You want to leave it there? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, w I will end the show today. Uh, so if you do have questions or comments based on what we've talked about, if you feel we've missed something or there's something that really hit home for you, we'd love for you, for you to share your stories and your questions. Um, you can contact us at info at com. Otherwise, we will talk to you guys again on Saturday.